Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show. I am Patrick Darty, joined as always by Mr. Denny Carter at CD Carter Thirteen on Twitter. Yes. Take a spin through the latest quarterback news. There's always quarterback news, Denny. For diving into Denny's article on the state of the rushing quarterback, we will then take a look at my article. We both have articles, Denny. A pre-free agency rankings. Uh, I wrote compendium in my write-up here. I don't really want to say that word loud, though. It's a big word. I will say word it's a it's a it's a rankings article that's what it is <laughs> but it sounds more important yeah. when you say compendium it's a rankings article they, you know i guess it's technically a compendium denny you know it wouldn't be the off season without some cryptic tweets you have a famous tweet about the nature of cryptic football player tweets <laughs> aaron Rodgers caused a stir on monday evening with a quote-unquote monday night gratitude instagram post that yeah. sounded really more like an oscars speech than a tossed off Insta, but this being Rogers, there's surely some broader meeting. We're supposed to read into it. Of course, he went on the Pat McAfee show right before we began taping on this Tuesday afternoon, said it was all fake news. He's not planning to announce, make any announcements today or anything. And is is there anything like what's going on here? Is this, this is like power politics with the Packers, like making like I'm playing hard to get, like he's not going to just like come back and make it easy for them. What, if anything, is going on here? I know something, a little something about not being able to log off. Um, <laughs> and uh, I believe Aaron Rodgers suffers from the same malady of, of just being unable to get offline. And when you have, when the world, at least the, the football world, hangs on your every word and your every post and will analyze it like, a, like an episode of Twin Peaks, that is power. And so he, put, he puts the stuff out there intentionally, a very cryptic thing. And by the way, when Pat McAfee said, you know, what about your cryptic posts? He says, uh, Aaron Rodgers says today, quote, there's nothing cryptic about gratitude. But but the but these posts, these posts, you could read into them many different ways. And that was, of course, the entire point. This is an offseason tradition, like you said. I don't really know the point beyond just triggering people at this point. I mean, whenever I'm the subject of intense media speculation about my future, I always just very normally post a... <laughs> several paragraphs link long Instagram post with nine different photos. The ninth of which was a photo apparently of the pregame, like where the Packers stand during the national anthem, but Rogers was missing from the photo from his usual spot. So everyone was yeah. like, you know, digging into that, like you said, like, 
like True Detective or Lost, Google Lost Zoomers. Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. never watched it. it. Seemed bad. It was on ABC, not NBC show. Yeah, I've um, never watched anything on ABC. No, neither have I. And yeah, it, it just seems like he's very, very inside his own head right yeah. now. And I mean, to, to claim that there was nothing like no intent, like I, I guess like maybe it's maybe it's just like really in in the rosé. Um, last night, <laughs> right. and, uh, yeah, and, and is this feeling yeah. grateful? I don't know. It seems unlikely, though. Hey, you know, and and reading through that, um, again from personal experience, it came off as maybe you know maybe a little imbibing, and then and then you log on, and then uh, and then that sort of thing tends to happen when you mix those those two things. Nine photos. Nine. Yeah, nine, and Absolutely. and the last one was Randall Cobb and Devonte Adams, but no A Rod. Yeah, it was like a missing man formation photo. Yeah, you know. Like this is where his F fifteen would normally be, but he's not here because he's yep. retired. But he and, or or gone to another team or running for office. It's it's unclear what yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just very very unclear. Like again, he has no idea either. Like I mean, I, th- I think I think maybe he's just sad that he's realized that it makes by far the most sense for him to remain with the Packers, and he's yeah. just going to remain with the Packers. And maybe he's like, well, I just I mean, got to tweet a few times. I mean. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I have to keep people on edge. Yeah, I mean, it's like the Brett Favre situation at the end of his career, only it's on steroids because of social, right? You know, because Brett Favre didn't have these huge platforms to, uh, to to throw little Easter eggs out to his fans and, and his haters and everybody. And, and Rogers has that and he uses it. I mean, he uses it actually objectively in, a, in an interesting way, I would say. Uh, uh, maybe not effective, but at least interesting. Yeah, Brett Favre, the Zoomers should really look up this. The, Brett Favre had a man named Bus Cook who would just call into radio shows and yeah. be like, basically, like, I don't know what my client's doing. <laughs> right. Maybe he right. was telling the truth, too, even. But never yeah. had any clue what his player was doing. And I, he, I used to I used to watch ESPN in those days and, and uh, watch as, as helicopters tracked Brett Favre to the grocery store. You know, I mean, this I mean, sounds made up. It is true. Yeah. That, that, that happened. <laughs> that did actually happen. Um, so, yeah, it was a more innocent time. It was. 2009 or whatever. Um, this is a totally different era. Denny, Denny, you opened your Tuesday morning blurb shift with a report from The Athletic that Rogers' $26.5 million cap hit would, quote-unquote, fold in nicely with Denver's cap, cap mm-hmm. situation. In my rankings article, I mentioned the Rodgers Broncos possibility frequently. Everyone seems kind of hung up on this. How how real do we think this is? Or basically, where do you think it's more likely? Do you think he's more likely he's with the Packers or the Broncos? Because it seems like if he's not with the Packers, the Broncos are by far the most likely outcome. Yeah, I still sort of feel like the preponderance of evidence suggests he will just remain with the Broncos or the excuse me with the Packers. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I think that the likelihood. Is that he'll stay in Green Bay with Devontae Adams for one more one more shot at uh, at glory? But uh, Denver has this this athletic piece, um, and I encourage everybody to go read it. You know, made the a, a compelling case that Denver, you know, is maybe in the strongest position to absorb a monster contract from a top flight quarterback who is tired of their team. You know, whether that's Aaron Rodgers or. Russell Wilson or Kirk Cousins, um, trying to think of some others, but yeah, I mean, you know, they they have they with some with some simple restructuring of some key players' deals, they will have upwards of fifty million dollars in cap space. So you know, taking on twenty six million on for for Rogers is no biggie for them for twenty twenty two. 
And when it comes to the cap space, it's kind of like the tired, wired meme. Like tired is having a rookie quarterback contract to build around. Wired, in the Broncos' case, is having no quarterback whatsoever. And you tend to have a lot of cap space. Then. And they they have, you know, honestly, like, they they have to. Their, their window's closing. You know, the, the, the Broncos, the, you know, yeah, they have a, a really good uh, a core of skill position guys with Judy and Sutton and, and Javante Williams and uh, – I'm forgetting the good football right. show guest Noah Fant, didn't he? Noah Fant and Albert O and everybody. Friend of the uh, show, Noah Fant. You really need to work on that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I apologize to to Noah. I know you're listening, but uh, uh, yeah, and and so, but it's not going to open, stay open forever. You know, they're not always going to have these guys, and they're not always going to be at this prime age to produce. So uh, I, I would expect the Broncos to to make a move. I don't know what move, but they they have to find a legit quarterback and they cannot do this whole, like let's bring in Teddy Bridgewater for no. thing. They can't do that this year. Uh, maybe, maybe just use another first round. This redraft Paxton Lynch, Lynch in the Oof. first round, maybe Oof. who, by the way, could not earn a starting job in the CFL last year. I, it, you know what? As a CFL DFS thought leader, I actually know that. And I think it actually was because he refused to get vaccinated. I just remembered. But uh, never, nevertheless, um, <laughs> uh, if it's not the the Broncos, I feel like the Panthers will be like a Rogers power player. But there's not this is not much evidence that even like Rogers is thinking that seriously about leaving. Like it just seems like they've accepted that there's going to be another year of Rogers in Green Bay. Yeah, but who knows? It's what is February twenty second. I mean, I'm sure we could just like listen back. To the show on like March 31st or some LAFFS, some laughs. The, um, the, the Packers, like the Packers are committed to keeping uh, their offensive scheme of Rodgers playing catch with Devontae Adams yeah. uh, together for 2020. Well, and to sticking with the plan. I mean, they told anyone who would listen that when they traded up for Jordan Love in the first round, it was to keep him on the bench for a minimum of three years. <laughs> right. Every quarterback needs three years yeah, on the bench. Everyone knows that. So. Uh, Denny, Minnesota radio man and former Vikings beat writer Judd Zolgad, he was pretty old Vikings beat reporter, has reported that the Vikes have quote-unquote gotten a call from the Panthers about Kirk Cousins. This apparently got denied by Ian Rappaport on the Pat McAfee show while we were waiting for Rogers news, yeah. but I wouldn't write it off. Judd Zolgad is plugged in with the Vikings organization. There's no question that the Panthers would have been a far better team with Kirk Cousins in 2022. Would this be enough to make them 2022? Excuse, what years are we talking? What year is it? Would this be enough to make them contenders in a rebuilding division? Denny acquiring Kirk Cousins I, for for this incoming season? Yeah, sure. I mean, they like the Broncos. They have a lot of great pieces. You know, uh, McCaffrey, uh, DJ Moore, who is more than ascendant. I mean, he showed last year when he gets decent quarterback play. He's quite good, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure if he's elite, but he's very good. Uh, you know, Robbie Anderson probably still be there. The, the, good, the fellow good, named Christian McCaffrey. A running back? Yes, um, sure. <laughs> but uh, and, and an OK defense when they're given an opportunity to succeed. The, the thing is that um, the Vikings, like I think we mentioned this on last week's show, the Vikings would have to eat a lot of money in order to get cousins off their roster. He is owed $45 million in 2022 as a cap hit. So they would have to absorb conservatively $20 million. They would have to eat that in order to get them off the roster. I really don't think that they're that desperate to get rid of them. I think that Kevin O'Connell wants to work with them, sees some upside. I read a piece uh, 
by Arif Hassan the other day, a great athletic reporter who, um, you know, he, and he mentioned the fact that Cousins can be better in a certain kind of system, in a system that's maybe not so rigid, you know, and, and, and that, that may be what, what O'Connell can bring to, uh, to Minnesota. Yeah, it would make almost no sense. I mean, they had to do like a full on like blow it up mode because his entire $35 million salary is guaranteed. He would leave behind $45 million in dead money. It'd be, it'd be less if he were traded. It would be less if he were traded. They would have to feel like that they were like, you know, competing for the number one overall pick basically. And mm-hmm. it's much, much easier to construct a scenario where they are in fact just competing for a playoff spot. Uh, Cause again, they were like a coin, several coin flips away from making the playoffs in 2021. They're bringing in the offensive minded head coach. Like you said, the skill core is still very good. Defense is a problem, but I just have a hard time believing yet that the Vikings new front office is going to decide that they had to set to burn it all down. Cause they'd be committing to like a two or three year, like burn down yeah. basically if they, if they got rid of cousins at this point and, you know, they have like an offensive core that's like in its prime, basically. And it just would not make much sense. Um, I, I will say that Cousins would pair perfectly with Matt Rule in that uh, Cousins, the coach killer, could could effectively and very quickly end Matt Rule's <laughs> yes, time true. as Carolina head coach. It's true. I guess the only reason they wouldn't, because they're almost in a situation where they almost have to extend Kirk Cousins, because like, it's weird. It's like a, like a, a lame, true lame duck situation where, Maybe they'll have to like bite the bullet and give him some guaranteed money in 2023 and like lower his cap number for 2022 to maybe compete a little better this year in free agency. But yeah, it's just a situation where it doesn't really seem like it. Would no, I, I don't think it. I mean, and we didn't even mention that the Panthers have to pay almost 19 million dollars to Sam Darnold yeah. this year. 19 Yikes. million. Yikes. For Sam Darnold, who who's not going to start? He's the, he's going to be on the bench. Now with that attitude, <laughs> oh god, that franchise is is they're down bad. They are very down bad, and he hopefully Matt Rule. I mean, he hasn't Googled analytics since before he got the Panthers <laughs> job. Yeah, he Googled it right before the interview. Like I yeah. said, if you think he needs to Google it again and read, click on several search results this time. I, I would advise uh, prospective NFL head coaches to not just get a PFF subscription and say they know analytics. Yeah, well, I mean, or, or at least to actually like, use the PFF I, subscription. I, right, I would say, you know, delve, in, delve into the numbers and maybe then you can yeah, say at it. Least, you know? At least use it. Like, <laughs> I know it's like getting charged on your credit card every year, but like at least use it. Hey, what can you do? ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports that, quote, many around the league expect the Saints to re-sign Jameis Winston for 2022. Denny, would Winston be enough to give this roster a shot at 9 to 10 wins, which might be enough to win a division again where the Panthers don't have a quarterback, the Bucks now don't have a quarterback, uh, the Falcons, I mean, sort of have a quarterback. Um, yeah. Would Jameis Winston, running it back with Jameis Winston be enough when – Presumably, we might find Michael Thomas might finally play football again. Yeah. Um, would this be enough, or this would this be this kind of silly? And maybe a situation where the Saints need to actually commit to the rebuild and let Jameis Winston sign somewhere else. I would I would say that committing to the rebuild would be the way to go. The Saints don't seem uh, interested in that route. They seem like they are ready to uh, try to sneak into the playoffs uh, next year. And uh, without, you know, obviously without Sean Payton this time, they, they've kept their coaching staff intact, which led ESPN's Jeremy Fowler to sort of read the tea leaves and say, well, it wouldn't be shocking with the coaching staff intact, mostly that they would bring back Jameis Winston on a short term deal after they were five and two with him as starter. But we're getting into the QB wins territory here with him being five and two. 
he wasn't good. No, he wasn't, he wasn't good. good. Like no. he was objectively not good at all. He was objectively better than Ian Book and Trevor Simeon. You he can was. Say yeah, that. you can. Say I, that. I will say that with one hundred percent confidence that uh, <laughs> he is an upgrade over Ian Book and probably Trevor Simeon. But uh, he, you know, in those in those seven starts for Winston last year, only six quarterbacks had a lower completion rate over expected. You know, guys like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, like guys who really, really struggled. Yes, he he cut down on the high variance throws that led to a lot of interceptions when he was the quarterback in Tampa. For fantasy purposes, him going back to the Saints stinks. I, I actually hate it. Yeah, he never once had a game where he completed more than 20 passes. He attempted more than 30 only twice. He had 14 touchdowns, but nine of those came in two starts, which is really weird. Yeah. His other starts, he had 0, 2, 1, 1, and 1 scores. I mean, part of this is because this is just an awful, awful supporting cast. Again, one that will, in theory, be getting back Michael Thomas. But yeah, it's not a great fantasy outcome no. for him. It's not a great outcome for the Saints because, yeah, it kind of seems like What's the best case scenario is making the playoffs? I mean, I guess it's the four seed. I guess they could win the division. It's like a 10 and 7, 9. Yeah, sure. those, those records just sound gross. 10 and 7, I 9 know, and 8. But like, and what? Like, just get lose at home in a wild card <laughs> game. It just, it just seems like that, yeah, they'd be better yeah. off. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not anything close to Super Bowl contenders with Jameis Winston under center. And yeah, for fantasy purposes, we want Jameis Winston in a place where they will let we they they will let him cut loose, you know, like he did with the Bucks. Like that's good for fantasy. Uh him in that hyper conservative Saints offense with without Mike Michael Thomas, the worst receiving core in the NFL. Uh not great. No, it's not fun for anybody. Um, we'll be right back with some dual threat talk, which is always fun for everybody. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you an NBA midseason offer. Get 20% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout February when you use the promo code STEW20. Finish your fantasy regular season strong at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code STU20 at checkout to save today. Denny, you've got an article out. It's about – it was a state of the quarterbacks article, basically. Kind of talking about how the dual threats were on the decline in 2021 after everyone – you know, the J.J. Zachary – how do you say his last name? Reason. Jack, is it Zachary Zach, Reason. Yeah, the J.J. Zachary Reasons, the Denny Carters of the world – 
you know, claim that dual threats are <laughs> just going to save us forever. You know, there's yeah. no going back. Um, you don't even – it's actually bad if you draft a quarterback that's good at pocket passing. Um, so what, ha- what happened in 2021, and why do you think yeah. that they might be back on the rise in 2022? Yeah, I mean, it, like I said in my piece, uh, everything went wrong uh, for rushing quarterbacks in 2021. You have um, uh, Jalen Hurts hurting his ankle late in the year, which led to a, a massive decrease in both rushing attempts and production. You had Trey Lance and Justin Fields either holding the clipboard or being you know, criminally mismanaged by their coaches. Taysom Hill couldn't beat out Jameis Winston for that starting job in New Orleans. You had Lamar Jackson missing four games. You had Kyler Murray missing four games and being, you know, clearly hampered by an ankle issue uh, when he when he came back. And then Russell Wilson uh, stopped running almost altogether. So uh, we, you know, we saw a major decline in rushing touchdowns among quarterbacks after an unbelievable spike in 2020, 126 rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks in 2020. We saw only 86 in 2021. That's still higher than any other season, by the way, except for, for 2020. But the, uh, the reason I, I would look, and I'm, I'm telling you this so that you don't have to read the piece. I'm kidding. You should still read it. But uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the reason I'm still bullish on, on dual threat quarterbacks is because, like I said, nothing went right. And they still produced unlike any other season except for, for 2020. So we, we, we should see a bounce back uh, in 2022. It's funny. You mentioned Russell Wilson not running anymore. I mean, JJ, your friend too, he's also big on dad running. Yeah. And I, th- I think we should all recognize that Russell Wilson does run like a dad now. And she maybe you think? should stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know if I agree. I'll tell you who runs like a dad is uh, Patrick Mahomes. He does, except for he runs like a dad though who's like actually fat. Like the kind of dad <laughs> who always feigns that the kids might catch him. Like he's the best. They're like, oh, they're about to catch me. And then he just like accelerates a little bit and they can never quite catch him. That's Mahomes' running style. Yeah, it's either that or running on glass. That's all yeah. he looks. I think Russell Wilson kind of just always looks like he's about to get mauled from by a bear from behind at this point. Like he's not he does not have a graceful running style anymore. No. Oh, man. I guess, I guess you're right. Yeah. So yeah. The article was very interesting, like you said. So one thing, do you think, can Lamar Jackson be like a league winner in 2022? Because the ADP is going to be out of the top two or three quarterbacks. It's going to be more like top five or six. I mean, when you look at it, I think he's bound for positive touchdown regression on both as a rusher and as a passer. Like both totals were like flukily low yeah. in 2021. and. He just kind of seems like a no-brainer, like bounce back and like a no-brainer, like basically like you have to like smash his ADP because like I just people are smart. The drafting public is pretty smart now, and maybe his ADP will creep back in like the top three at quarterback. But I think if you can get Lamar Jackson as like the fourth, fifth, or sixth quarterback, that pretty much is just like a true no-brainer for 2022. Yeah, I'm on board there. You know, after his uh, ridiculous nine percent touchdown rate in 2019, which we know, you know. We knew at the time it couldn't hold up. Uh, he still posted a, a nice 6.9 percent rate in 2020, but that fell off the table in 2021 with a 4.2 percent touchdown rate. That's like Baker Mayfield territories. So not not great. Many would say not great. Uh, I I do I do think that we should see a bounce back in both rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns from Lamar. His rushes per game, so his opportunity on the ground stayed relatively you know the same. Judging, you know, from from previous years, it was about 11 rushes per game. He's averaged about 12 over his career. So I actually think that 
uh, viable running backs in the backfield may also help him not function as the team's unquestioned RB1 if they get uh, a healthy J.K. Dobbins and or Gus Edwards back in 2022. Uh, that the, the thought was, oh, without them, Lamar's going to go bananas on the ground. But teams teams were playing for for Lamar to rush the ball, and they didn't care about Latavius Murray or Devontae Freeman. So maybe with a, with a threat or two back there, you know, we could see more from him on the ground next year. Jalen Hurts is going to be a really, really like lightning, like I would say lightning rod player. Is that the right? Is that even a, is that a thing that exists? Lightning is that a phrase? Player. You know, what? I, it, it is now. I, what am I thinking of? What phrase am I thinking of? Uh, there's, I've heard like there's a lightning rod for controversy. Anyway, he's going to be a hotly debated player because like, can he keep getting away with this? Basically, <laughs> Jalen Hurts, who the running fell off, like you said, after the ankle injury, but didn't like crater. He was still running like seven or eight times a game. But yeah, he wasn't ever getting double digit rushes anymore. The rushing total, he had a lot of like two touchdown games and a lot of like zero mm-hmm. touchdown games. And, like basically. To be a dual threat, you have to be a true dual threat. Is he enough of a passing threat that he can like keep up the rushing production? Or if he doesn't take a step forward as a passer, does the rushing production, will it just kind of collapse because teams can key in on his rushing so much? I think it kind of depends on on whether Nick Sirianni is is ready and willing to deploy the same extremely run-heavy approach that he did in 2021. I do think that Hurts needs to take and probably should take a step forward as a passer. He got pretty unlucky with passing touchdowns, a uh, 3.7% touchdown rate uh, through the air this, this year That's 24th among qualifying quarterbacks and a, and a, and a drop from his 2020 numbers. So, uh, you know, we're talking about the guy who was the QB one when he went down with that angle ankle injury against the giants. I think, I believe it was week 12. And he was not the same. And that that overall QB1 campaign that kind of looked inevitable at some point um, tanked from there. And, and uh, it became a real struggle for him. Yeah, I think that he can keep getting away with it despite, you know, despite some some spikes and some lulls in his uh, 2021 production. So a real, real bummer of a player was Kyler Murray that you talk about in the article. And it's now like, due to injury kind of stopped running down the stretch back to back years. Are we looking at durability concerns with Kyler Murray? Are we looking at size concerns or is this, this kind of fluky? And like he didn't, uh, he, well, I would say he didn't miss much time. He actually did miss time. Yeah. Four um, games, three to four games. Just, or do we have any actual concerns with mm-hmm. Kyler Murray or is this like young player growing pains basically with Kyler Murray? I, I think uh, I'm more concerned with his, somewhat uh, frequent talk of wanting to be a pocket passer and not really wanting to, to be a dual threat rushing quarterback, because if that, if that's the way he wants to operate, then the team, you know, presumably is going to listen, you know, to their franchise player, although they're kind of at odds at the moment. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Murray, Murray manages two rushing scores in his final 11 starts of the 2021 season um, he was still getting a, a decent number of rushes inside the 10 yard line, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the, the expectation that we had maybe for Murray when he was a rookie, when he was in his second year for him to be this Lamar like uh, fantasy producer on the ground. I think that that is, that is probably overblown and we can't, we, we can't and shouldn't bank on that next year. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think the bigger threat than injury is like the mentality, like you said, from Kyler, who and his defense kind of looks like he could be the kind of guy who could be like a 70% passer. Mm-hmm. You know, he has that kind of – I mean, he basically was last season, I believe. Like, he's like an upper echelon accuracy quarterback who also hits deep throws, or at least in theory. At least he did when he had DeAndre Hopkins. Man, yes, right. Just <laughs> totally, totally collapse. But, yeah, so it is, I think I feel like, yeah, the kind of player he wants to be is the bigger concern than the injury. And the, the injuries – he didn't – I think he only missed – I don't know if he missed any games in 2020. He just played hurt. He was playing with a shoulder injury, and I don't think he actually missed any time yeah. in 2020. But his production has just cratered down the stretch back-to-back years. It did. It did. But, you know, he is a good passer, and that, and that's a great point uh, that you make. Uh, he trailed only Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow in completion rate uh, – completion percentage over expected last year. Uh, he was among the league leaders in air yards per attempt. So – I I really I think that uh, he can be like a, a really solid pocket passer, but from a fantasy standpoint, that like nuclear upside may be missing if he's if he's not willing and if the if the Cardinals' offense is not uh, geared around him rushing. Yeah, he'll basically need to become like a true Aaron Rodgers or like a Joe Burrow, where like he doesn't he's just such an explosive downfield passer that it doesn't matter that he's not running. But he was—he should still run more than they do. I mean, you would hope. Yeah, it's kind of surprising. I think we talked about at the end of the season the fact that it's kind of jarring and a little bit strange to see defensive linemen catch up to him when he runs. And uh, I think—I mean, I think we were—I think that has to be a fluke, right? I'm—I'm I'm, I'm hoping it is. There were a number I, of times yeah, where he got mowed down. And, I mean, by like big dudes. Like, I think it was after the ankle injury, though. Yes, yes, right. That's right. It was after the ankle injury, but yeah, he was getting like. Like, oh, wow, wow. Uh, Vince Wilfork just <laughs> ran down <laughs> Kyler Murray from behind. That seems right, fun. but with a, with a 10-yard head start for Kyler. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I mean, I know I hurt his ankle, but I wasn't sure about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, well, something to keep an eye on. Dan, we're going to talk my rankings article in a minute, but one thing that I – oh, no, sorry. I was going to say you accused me of having Trey Lance too low. It was actually Kyle that accused me of having Trey Lance too low. But I have Trey Lance ranked as the QB 12 – Excuse yeah. me, no, it's a QB 10 heading in. I ha- it was QB 12 originally, and after talking with Kyle, I did reassess and decide he was right. I got him bumped up. Is QB 10 right, you think, for Trey Lance, who by all accounts is going to be the 49ers starting quarterback? But we had him as like the QB 12 or 13 last summer, and how did that go? It, not well. It didn't go well, uh, I would say, for my best ball teams. Um, we're still looking into that. But uh, Trey Lance, I mean – if you if you're ranking him as if he's starting 17 games, I think he has to be in the top seven, probably. Oh man, um, really? I mean, so you, that means you would have him. You have to have. Here's who I have in the top eight. Or here's who I have in the top nine: Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Lamar, Herbert, Burrow, Dak, Rogers, and Hertz. You think that Trey Lance deserves to be ranked ahead of any of those nine quarterbacks, Denny? Yeah, I do. Really. I actually think Hurts and Lance. I we got to pr- change the rules, man. We got to change the rules of fantasy. If sure, sure, case. and no, and that, and that's that's what we're that's what it comes down to is that there's a massive scoring inefficiency. This is JJ Zacharyson's America. It is, and we're all living in it, whether we like it or not. And and, and yeah, so rushing the rushing production from quarterbacks is just unfair. And so I think I would put Trey Lance and Jalen Hurts above Joe Burrow. 
I was going to ask you, who would you rather have? Say you, for some reason, like Denny, we need you to draft a team today and write an article about it. <laughs> and would you draft Trey Lance or Jalen Hurts, Denny? Oh, uh, 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 Hurts for job security. Uh, because I, I actually, I'm, I'm among the probably not so large crowd that I, I don't believe that Trey Lance is guaranteed this, the day one uh, start starting gig for 2022. I was going to say for job security, I actually think I would take Trey Lance really? over Jalen Hurts. I think his job is probably more secure than Jalen Hurts's. Oh my um, gosh! D- d- as of today, now if Jalen Hurts survives the draft and free agency without any real competition, man, I don't think Gar- is Gardner Minshew still under contract. I don't know. I don't think they're going to like. But it, 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 Jalen Hurts seems like one of those guys who's probably more secure in the fantasy community's mind than he really is. You Maybe know? I don't know. I I I I think I'm going to say this as uh, nicely as possible, and that Kyle Shanahan is clearly not sold on Trey Lance. As he's not, a, he stays up at night wishing he had drafted Mac Jones. Yeah, that that is an absolute certainty, uh, honestly. And so I think that some other options floating around, one by the name of Thomas Brady, perhaps. Oh my goodness, uh, could could keep Trey Lance on the bench for another year? Sh- Shanahan. If, if look, Shanahan started Jimmy Garoppolo even when Garoppolo was struggling mightily. As Basically, I mean, no, I love my mailman. No offense to the mailman, but Jimmy Garoppolo looked like a mailman in the playoffs. Through, yeah, he? and it didn't matter. Yeah. It, Trey Lance, the the TV camera never even showed Trey Lance's face on the sideline as an option. <laughs> no, Shanahan, you know, Shanahan made it clear: Jimmy's my guy. It doesn't matter that we sold the the franchise's future to get Trey Lance. I, I really I don't think that Trey Lance is guaranteed anything next year. Well, is this because Tuesday morning you wrote a blurb from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler saying that Marcus <laughs> Mariota would make a lot of sense for the 49ers in 2022? Is that where this is coming from, Denny? No, but that that helped uh, beef up my argument a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, look, who says that if they let Garoppolo walk, which they probably will, almost assuredly will, and they bring in Mariota and free agency on a short-term deal, who says that Trey Lance automatically beats out Marcus Mariota in a training camp battle? It's true. It would not be guaranteed no. at all. No. And boy, it would be really fun to see Marcus Mariota and Kyle Shanahan's system. I agree. It'd like be really fun. Uh, yes, get Mariota to the Niners and let him let him have a real crack at the starting job. Let Marcus Mariota cook. We've been saying it for years. <laughs> Denny, you wanted to talk about Russell Wilson, who he's not even really a dual threat anymore. Are we talking about him as a mono threat? What, what, what's your Russ Wilson angle that you wanted to talk about to the people? Yeah, look, I just wanted to mention that in, in my research for this piece, I was bowled over by the fact that Russell Wilson was actually good in 2021. And by that, I mean, if you cherry pick a little bit and that, and that's, that's what we do. That's what we do in the off season. I'm going to pick some cherries and I'm going to say that if you eliminate the two games after he inexplicably rushed back from a serious finger injury, (laughs) where he he stayed up 24 hours a day in a chamber for some reason. Right. He, uh, so Russell Wilson hadn't slept for six weeks, uh, was was insane with uh, sleep deprivation and came back and played two of the worst games of his career, really, by the numbers. If you eliminate those, he actually had a pretty good 2021. And let me let me paint the picture here. Uh, he was seventh in uh, the composite expected points added and completion rate over ex- expected from week 12 to week 18 after his recovery from the injury. 
And uh, his touchdown rate was 7.9% before the finger injury and was 7.1% from week 12 to week 18. That's the end of season window where he was clearly fully recovered or at least more recovered from the finger issue. I think there's an argument to be made that he was headed toward one of the highest, if not the highest touchdown rate of his 10-year career, uh, but for the finger injury. So I, he he's not washed. I thought he was washed. He's not washed. What you saw as good news for Russell Wilson, I thought was actually Russell Wilson losing the argument with Pete Carroll because from week 12 to week 18 was when Rashad Penny became Adrian Peterson right. and was the best running back in the NFL. And it proved to Pete Carroll that they actually do need a robust, robust rushing attack to unlock Russell Wilson's passing and to balance Russell Wilson's passing. So what you see is good news. I actually saw is Russell Wilson getting exposed. And well, this was it, Pete Carroll is right. He's been right all along. Russ oh, cannot cook, and he he needs a running attack. Didn't he? Where am I wrong? I, are you are you sixty five years old? I mean, I no. mean, I'm also sixty five percent serious. But I did think it was interesting. So yeah, I'm yeah. more than fifty percent serious. I'm like, I did think it was very interesting because he was playing the worst football of his career. It was the finger, but he, he wasn't playing great even before the finger injury. Of course, though, you know, he was off to like a shakyish start even before the injury. And I just thought that maybe I, I definitely think that would be Pete Carroll's takeaway is the, with the problem, whether it's true or not. It's like, well, the offense was unwatchable. So my guy Rashad Penny started dominating mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm yeah. just worried. That'll be I, I, I think it's fair to say, I mean, uh, that Russell Wilson needs a solid running game and probably needs a, a, a thrives in a more balanced offense than, than a, you know, like a, like a chiefs type offense that just passes no matter what, or a Bengals late in the season, whatever. Yeah. I, I think that that's fair because Russell Wilson's best fantasy seasons came when the Seahawks had a really good ground attack. Right. And it kept defenses on their heels. They used play action really effectively. He was hyper efficient yeah, so I, I think that, that that's fair. And if he goes to another team this year, um, it probably, this offseason, that doesn't seem likely, but it probably needs to be a team that can run a balanced offense and won't just lean on him 100%. So, Denny, um, yeah, by the way, I was being half serious about Russell Wilson there. I, I do think Pete Carroll's going to be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, dog. Um, <laughs> Got to get the running game back, folks. I was oh, yeah, all yeah. Along. He'll never change. No. He, like, was afraid. I mean, he was – probably understandably thought he was about to get canceled. Like he, it was finally over. He had been finally fully exposed. Like the rust was right. The, they don't need the run, but then, yeah, then Rashad Penny happened. And now Pete is like, got a second wind. And Oh yeah, no, he's, he's back. Like the, 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 the Pete Carroll argument that you, you run to win the game is, is back it's all the back. way. It's back folks. See, so, yeah, I don't Danny. I had a rankings article. Do you even, do you want to talk about it? I do. Anything stick out to you? I do. It was really bad overall. No, I'm kidding. I mean, um, no, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I have a, I have a little bit of an issue uh, with the ranking of Javante Williams. Now, yeah, many uh, would say, many would say you ranked him as number seven, which is pretty high. Okay. Only six guys are above him. If I, if my math is, is correct. But with Melvin Gordon, a free agent and the Broncos very unlikely to, to resign him from what I understand. I, I'm I'm easily ranking Javante above Najee Harris. For I was one. wondering if that's where you were going. Uh, Najee Harris, you know, he's a he's a he's a great guy, but uh, he's a he's a pure volume option. 
So I, and Javante Williams is not that. So I put Javante Williams above him. I might even put him above Dalvin cook uh, at this point. And because I mean, Javante Williams is, is, is primed for just a monster year. And, and, and I think he will be drafted as such. If, if the, the minute that Melvin Gordon leaves Denver, I think Javante Williams becomes a borderline first round pick. It is interesting though. I mean, Nathaniel Heck, so they've had the two back attack now, the Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett just came from like a famously two back backfield. Like even if Melvin Gordon walks, I do have a little fear, like a one B option is going to be brought in for Javante Williams. So I feel like he hasn't cleared that hurdle yet. What it basically boiled down to to me is Najee had 300 carries and 70 catches as a rookie, which just Totally insane usage. Crazy. The usage isn't going anywhere. The offensive line probably can't be as bad as it was. The pass, the quarterback play arguably can't be worse. Yeah. <laughs> and I just feel like what we want from Javante, 300 rushes, 60 to 70 catches, is what Najee Harris like already has. Yeah. So that, that was kind of how I, I tie broke that one. Sure. But that sure. is an interest that is a really interesting one, I must have because Javante Williams appears to be a more gifted, oh. like independent of situation runner. The Najee Harris. That's that's real. That's a great way of saying it. I I, I could have just said that instead of four hundred yeah. words. For Dr. Williams. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is actually a highly interesting debate. And for for a second, I was like, "Wow, he's going to tell me Javante Williams is too high." I feel kind of bad, but I'm no. glad that it was the other direction. No, no, not behavior. high enough. And you rank Saquon Barkley thirteenth. Yeah, I don't know. I just I have a hard time thinking that he won't be highly involved in the screen game. Oh, good. So you think he should be higher? Good. I think he should be higher. Okay, good. I was like, wow. Yeah. And and also, uh, you know, he, he looked good and was producing really well before that unbelievably fluky injury against Dallas where he stepped on a dude's shoe. Okay. Like he, he was back. He was finally back and that happened and then he wasn't back anymore. So I think the 13 is probably, uh, probably will be a little low. I, I would, I would prefer him over guys like, uh, like Cam, like Cam Akers, for instance. I have Akers higher just because he's like already, I mean, he's got the dream role. I mean, they don't care. I mean, when they came back on one leg and they still just immediately basically made it a one man backfield. And the fact that he avoided setbacks, he has seven months to get healthier. I, I think everything was back for Cam except for those explosive runs. And I mm-hmm. do feel like they probably will be back in 2022. I just think his role, you know, in like one of the league's best offenses is this two where Saquon, you know, it is three straight years of being hurt. Even if he finally stays healthy, like Daniel Jones just might have like a hard ceiling on this offense. But I agree. Barkley with Brian Dable. It's very, but Dable, another guy, by the way, though, who's like mm-hmm. from a backfield is like always rolling two backs. Um, until they finally – they didn't have a, an effective rushing tack at all right, until they went right. to a one-man backfield. So we'll see which lesson he learned. I wanted to commend you for uh, one one of your wide receiver ranks, Jalen Waddle, as a top oh, yeah. 10 option at, at nine. Now, I, I'm I'm not looking at ADP. For, for God's sake, it's February. Have some decency. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you're right. When, when you know, the, the adjust the ranks when the coach says – draft my wide receiver one, you know, and, yeah. and, and yeah, Waddle in that Shanahan type system um, with the production that he had last year with a quarterback, you know, likely to, will be the, the starter again in Miami uh, with a quarterback who doesn't throw down field and who's very conservative. That's great for Jalen Waddle. Like, like he's a, he's a, he's a guy who will make PPR haters uh, furious uh, for, for years. I'll be weeping. 
So yeah, and in PPR formats, um, I, I think that's a that's a great rank and may, maybe not high enough. We'll, we'll yeah, see. I mean, he was already seventh or eighth in receptions as a rookie. I mean, hundred catch season as a rookie. He could also, I mean, I didn't really factor this into the ranking, but I mean, would it be it wouldn't be shocking if he got like a little Debo Samuel action. Like you used the word beefy earlier. He's not as beefy as Debo Samuel. No, no. <laughs> but so I, he couldn't really like hold up. But he he only had two rushes in 2021. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to think Jalen Waddle could get 15 to 20 rushes in 2022, which doesn't sound like much, but like that's like a, a lot to like heap that on to like a hundred catch season. So it's coming. I mean, we as we know, we were talking about this in LA, like. Pierre Garcon had like an insane season in the Shanahan yeah. system. Like the Shanahan system creates insane the wide receiver seasons. Like but only insane. for one guy though. Not like, exactly. You know, exactly. And he is that one guy. Yeah, exactly. It's, so. it's not, it's not like uh, an explosion of wide receiver fantasy points across the roster. It's just, it's focused, concentrated on one dude. And that would obviously be Waddle. Anything else, Denny, on the rankings article? One more thing. Um, your Austin Hooper ranking made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and he ranked him 25, which is whatever. He could have been 35 or 65. Uh, you said, I guess we're still doing this, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, so which is so funny because even when the other two tight ends for Cleveland were injured and Austin Hooper had the gig all to himself, ran all the routes, all the targets, he still would produce like a four catch, 27 yard, zero touchdown game. And, and not just when like the tight ends were injured, were like there were weeks where they had like no receivers right. either. And right. He is he is the most mediocre tight end in the league right now. I basically was ranking. I, I wrote in the article I ranked until I basically felt like I was guessing at each position. That meant 40 running backs, 60 receivers. Originally it was at 18 with tight ends. And like I, I was just like, I don't know, dude. Like these guys all are like like just what I mean, I, Evan Ingram. I mean, but then yeah. I did end up pushing it to 25 with tight ends, and that got yeah. Austin Hooper on the board. Um, um also, you ranked Dalton Schultz number nine. He's a free agent. I'm looking forward to Dalton Schultz becoming the highest paid tight end in the NFL. Yeah, well, and talk about Austin Hooper waiting to happen. Yes, <laughs> yes, he, obviously. He's on the Austin Hooper career arc to a T. Yes, ab- uh, some team is going to just go wild and spend, you know, spend like a drunken sailor. The Zoomers gonna, say. I'm going to ask one more and then we're going to get out of here. I ranked Elijah Mitchell as the RB14, and I mm-hmm. feel like his, his ranks are just going to be all over the map. I feel like, I mean... Based on like pure like 2021 usage, he should be the top 10. Based on like fear of like Trey Lance siphoning rushing production, Debo Samuel continuing to siphon rushing production, maybe Trey Sermon, you know, just having a better offseason. There are a lot of red flags with Elijah Mitchell, but there's also like a lot of huge positives. I just, do you think, do you regard Elijah Mitchell right now as an RB1 or is that just like two point chasey? Right. No, it's going to take a lot of faith. In, in Elijah Mitchell because, he, you know, he's going to probably head into training camp with lots of competition, whether it's veteran or rookie or whatever. You really never know who's going to emerge in this backfield, but whoever does is likely going to produce quite a few fantasy points. So you're, you're, you're going to have to have faith, but it does make sense, I think, to go in on Mitchell as like a borderline RB1 type guy. I just felt like it had been a long time since Shanny had fallen this in love with yeah. running back. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Mitchell got all the play, you know, all yeah. the snaps, all the touches. Yeah, you're you're right about that. So we'll see, but it could look very clownish having him as the RB fourteen. It could look very uh, casual, as someone might tweet at me on Twitter. I think that's what I've caught. That's become like a 
an insult in the Zoomer fantasy. Really? Game. Yeah, casual. Casual. Hmm. Yeah, I know exactly. So prepare, be prepared for your son to start saying this to you. By the way, <laughs> Dad, you're so casual. You're very casual, Dad. Um, this was this was a casual show today because it's February twenty second. Um, not to take you too far behind the curtain of what day we taped the show, but it's February twenty second. <laughs> Now they know everything. Yeah, we do. We've, we've let every secret go. I can't give everything away, as David Bowie once said, Denny. Man, um, yeah, but for Denny, I'm Pat. Thank you so much for listening. Check out our stuff on the site. Denny's article is great. Denny's going to have a lot of great off-season content. You just, Denny's an ideas man. Denny like gets ideas <laughs> for articles. And I they do. write them, and they're always very good. Usually in the shower. Yeah, exactly. So check that out. Check out my pre-free agency rankings. Pat Crane will be back on Thursday with another episode of Good Football Show for Denny. I'm Pat. We'll catch you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.